Handle on the News. Handle on the News! This time of day, it's with Bill Handel, right? So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Not Bill. exactly sunshine and roses. No. <laughs> and now, here's Bill Handel. Thursday. It is May 10th. Handel and the morning crew. There is uh, the lovely Jennifer Jones Lee. What Hi, it, Handel. What's that t-shirt? Oh, dogaholic. Of course. <laughs> okay. Wayne Resnick, good morning. Your shirt has guitars and flowers on it. Yeah, he makes fun of mine. It's a Hawaiian shirt. I understand. It's one that. of my many Hawaiian shirts. Guitars black, and flowers. We'll get a picture of this orange, up on Instagram. Uh, with orange flowers. Did you get it at Costco? Uh, oh no, no, no! You can't oh. get these at Costco. Oh, I don't know. I got these. Uh, you know where I got it? Probably is uh, some flea market or uh, the. Uh, like Some the Rose Bowl flea sale. market? Yeah. And yeah then they, someone that. just hangs all these uh, shirts up and they're all used. And, uh, you know, some of them have holes in them. But uh, they're classics. Yeah. They haven't been around for years and years and years. All right. Uh, there is, oh, a flower lady here. Black with flowers on uh, her skirt. it. Yeah. Uh, there is Alex and uh, John uh, over there. Morning. Married what? How many days? Uh, Saturday, <gasps> Monday. Three, four, five. Yeah, you got another week and a half before it goes into the toilet. Uh, it goes very, very quickly downhill. I'm just letting you know. That's a lot of experience talking. Okay. Yeah. It's like, uh, by the way, never mind. I wasn't going to go into that. Uh, very, no, no. Okay, never mind. All right. Why don't we do it? We have a lot of news. Oh, do we have news to cover today? Uh, let's start with the big one. Three Americans land in uh, the U.S. following a release from North Korean prison. I'm coming home. I'm coming home. Uh, obviously a coup, but a couple things are missing. First of all, uh, I think we're going to hear uh, President Trump is a whore, media whore, uh, because he made sure he was there at the tarmac. He made sure uh, that he was the only one there at the tarmac. Family was not allowed to be there to hug their loved one for, quote, security reasons because he had to be debriefed. And so the president was certainly not going to share the uh, limelight with the family hugging uh, their uh, the loved one, a father, a, a wife, because that would be on uh, the videos. That would be the story. So, no, no, the president's going to make absolutely sure that he's there with Melania. And that's number one. I thought that was a very cheap thing, even though I'm going to give him credit. Also, uh, what we're not hearing is... Uh, we are hearing how wonderful Kim is and how he's coming to the table. No one's really talking about the fact he kidnapped... Uh, he imprisoned those three guys anyway for the sole purpose of using them as pawns. I mean, they are in great shape. They came down that uh, down the stairs uh, from the airplane looking like they just arrived from vacation. Smiling, giving the peace sign. Oh, yeah. They were fine. Now, that's not to take away that it's not a legitimate coup, but come on, guys. It's... Please. You would have liked to have seen the family there as well. I think that's to greet important. Them. Let me ask security. you a question. You said they were pawns. I think which so. Which I can totally accept, except they've been released. What do you think Kim Jong-un has gotten or was promised? It's an anticipation of. either. That's a hell of a gesture from a e- guy yes. who's using them as a bargaining chip right. to go ahead and give them away. Either there has been a promise or a promise of a promise uh, that's been made. Uh, Pompeo saying, uh, you know what, you give up those prisoners because that's a really important issue for us and it's going to make us much more cooperative. I think that may have been. I mean, That's obviously a pretty thinking, amorphous promise. 
I don't think there's much specificity. For so example, isn't that interesting word, that he went ahead word? and gave he went ahead and gave them up without actually receiving anything? I uh, uh, well, as far as we know, because I yeah. suspect possibly something has happened behind the scenes. Oh, I'm that's sure it has. But the, tangible for them denuclearization of the Korean Peninsula. I don't even know what that means. It has really not been defined. And by and the, that it, oh, go ahead. And that is removing all nuclear weapons from the peninsula, all of them, or having them near there, or having American warships come up with nuclear uh, submarines or warships come up with nuclear devices within 200 miles, for example, of the Korean coastline, because that's international waters beyond that. No x-rays ever again. Yes. The other thing, too, is the president made the announcement yesterday that within three days he was going to announce where and when. Oh, it's going to be Singapore. Yeah, I think so, too. Because he wanted to have it at this DMZ. He thought that would be super I thought that would be a great idea, but the answer is no. And I, you know, here I am again, the anti-Trump cynic. Because uh, Moon Kai-jin and Kim already had that meeting, why would the president follow up at the same place? I'm surprised it wasn't the Trump Tower in Chicago. <laughs> but Trump's the one who publicly floated the idea that it would be great to have it at the DMZ. Yep. Only following the meeting between the Korean leaders. Right. So if his concern is, I don't want to repeat them, why would he float that publicly when they already had the meeting there? You're saying he doesn't want to have it. The well, think, Trump doesn't want happened, to have the DMZ you know, I, because what, they I, had it. I think what happens is uh, Trump goes off at the hip. He just says things, as we know. After Macron does uh, his thing, uh, you know, with a, uh, the panoply when Trump was over there in France and the uh, saw... Uh, what uh, the pomp and circumstance that they gave to the president, because Macron really went out of his way to try to influence the president. Uh, the, uh, Trump goes, "Wow, I love that. You know what? That's such a great idea. I'm going to ask. I'm going to force every member of the military to learn French. <laughs> so now it's bonsoir instead of yes, sir. Baguette, baguettes for breakfast, baguettes for lunch." Great. That's what I have to look forward to with Scott. He'll be yes. speaking French soon. Hey, I guess CIA uh, nominee Gina Haspel made a pretty good impression yesterday. She's one and a oh, we're going to talk about that at 730. This is where the senators go out of their minds and the, the dog and pony show has to be done. And it is so offensive and the questions are so stupid. And the answers uh, have to be so contrived because... Now it's practice sessions for days and days, much like a presidential debate. Nominee comes up, and you have teams working with the nominee, throwing questions. What if this question is that? It's a rehearsal. It's a staged play, as opposed to asking legitimate questions and having the nominee answer legitimate questions. Out of the out, that's out of the question. All right, that's, there's plenty more to talk about that at 7.30. Ooh, is my ire up? I can tell. Yes, we We'll come back. And uh, right after the break, your chance to win $1,000. All right, Jennifer. KFI handle here in the morning. Uh, your chance to win some cash. Your shot at $1,000 now. Text the keyword LUCK to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's LUCK to 200-200. They call the winner, so you have to answer the phone like Angela in San Clemente did. She won $1,000. Your next chance to win next hour.
All right, we're back. Uh, Wayne just asked, does this, contest, does this contest have an end date? Yeah, 2026. Uh, that's when it's ending. Okay, now uh, back we go. More handle here in the morning crew. More handle on the news. Jennifer and Wayne and me. Well, uh, President Trump apparently, according to uh, unnamed sources, has time and again talked about possibly revoking uh, press credentials. Well, Wednesday, he tweeted about it. I guess he's asking the public. His tweet was, take away credentials? He's just getting more adamant about it. Is he ever going to do it? No. He loves not. to poke at yeah, the yeah, press, so That's though. all it is. is as there's, it's bloviating. But already people are going, they're already I talking know. about, oh. this would be authoritarian. This is totalitarianism. It's like, wait until he does. Right. This is the thing with President Trump, I think. Wait until he does exactly. something. Yeah. He's not all that crazy. N- not nearly as, as much. It's going to end up, by the way, the only credential will be left will be Fox and InfoWars. <laughs> <laughs> so you'll have two people there in uh, the White House pressing room, a uh, press room. All right. Yeah, White House pressing room is good where they have uh, the, the laundry is <laughs> yes. being done. Yes. These chinos are wrinkled. Take them <laughs> over there. Well, we've got more news coming out of Hawaii. And in this just adds insult to injury. Now Hawaiian officials are warning of ongoing eruptions on the big islands that could maybe turn into massive explosions. It's gonna blow. Whoa, whoa, and whoa. I was looking at this story and... I thought that it, that volcanoes just explode, right? They just blow their tops. There's a whole science to that about uh, drain, the lava draining away and the water on top of that that now turns into steam and it becomes so pressurized that's what causes the blow up. Uh, so the bottom line is don't move to that island. You know, it's, just don't. All right. So like scientist Handel just said, you are absolutely right, by the way, volcano scientist Janet Babb just confirms what you said, that when the groundwater comes in contact with the lava, it can make these horrible bursts of steam. It could uh, um, explode a lot of ash into the air, and if it's if it's vigorous enough, it could even push ballistic fragments, uh, you know, football size or larger uh, fragments of rock into the air. Whoa. Isn't that crazy? Oh, it is. Well, you, you can see it on the video that uh, goes up a couple of hundred feet. Yeah, you see those that. pieces of molten uh, molten lava, but up, uh, my God, up it goes or molten rock. And when, when Mount St. Helens exploded its top, uh, that that was uh, felt around the world in terms of air quality. And when uh, the uh, volcano in Iceland blew up, uh, airplanes had to go thousands of miles uh, around this thing because there's so much. So when you see a, a fairly major explosion, it is a mess. Not only locally. But also what it does, you know, because you have ash and you got, I mean, crazy stuff. A uh, city attorney in L.A. is going after bad fake pills. Bad medicine, bad medicine. Yeah. Uh, city attorney's office filed three separate lawsuits yesterday against a bunch of people that they claim are selling illegal or misbranded or counterfeit why, pharmaceuticals. Why are they just arresting everybody? I, I don't quite understand why a civil suit has to. Well, be this filed. may be coming. I'm I'm going to guess because they're handing this information over to the feds for criminal prosecution. But it's, there was like a couple in North Hollywood. They had a bunch of um, Viagra and Cialis and stuff, and 124 thousand dollars in cash in their house. So if you buy another fake couple Viagra, in South LA, yeah. Well, you get, if you, you get half an erection, it doesn't work. Theoretically, I think it's extremely dangerous. Because you don't know what's in there. Oh, yeah, what it does with, blo- with blood pressure. Adulterants and all kinds of stuff. I yeah. mean, we had cases yeah. like that of people selling this stuff, and it's, oh, it's, it's bad news. But people still do it. I mean, yeah. somebody will post on Craigslist 
Yeah, no, you're out of your mind. And people are like, yeah, I'll meet you at the Denny's parking lot well, and buy can't some get a, Viagra. Can't get a prescription. Also, if you have uh, an erection lasting more than four hours, uh, be prepared to have women line up around the block. <laughs> you know, okay, rule number one, all right? And I Jennifer to, Jones I to, Lee, please no. okay. step in with the next story. Okay, no, hang on. We, oh, we now have to establish boy. rules here. Uh, this is for John. We had the same problem with Justin. We do not do that sound effect, that Boeing, Boeing sound effect. And I'll tell you why, because it is so contrived. It is so sophomoric. It is so stupid. And I will not go to that level on this show. No contrived. Sophomoric, oh, no stupid. coward over here setting the humor standard. That yes. is correct. On that one. Wow. That one wow. is off the table. John, next time the you know subject comes up, you can't play that Boeing effect. Just play an ad for Boeing. We'll know what it means. Okay, let's move on to this guy in West Hollywood who you never know with all the new charges against him. He could have been selling counterfeit drugs. He's being accused of um, posing as a licensed nurse with a license that belonged to someone else. And they tagged him and uh, now he may go to jail. And he had a license as a vocational nurse. Yeah, but a vocational nurse is very different than a licensed registered nurse. Well, but he got it revoked because he was convicted of receiving stolen property and burglary in 2014. And now they are, they think that he might have like had elder abuse or dependent abuse, mm. a false impersonation. So in the elder abuse cases, who knows what he was stealing from them? Who knows? I mean, you know. Got it. Know. All right. Uh, let's take a break. Come back and we'll do more. KFI handle here and lots to talk about on the news. Uh, First of all, asking you to donate to help the American Red Cross initiative to get prepared California. It's your $400 donation. You and a guest enjoy cocktails and appetizers with all of the KFI hosts and crew, plus unlimited sky slides during the exclusive evening at the beautiful OUE Skyscape in downtown uh, L.A., have to be 21 years or older to attend. 100% of the proceeds benefit the American Red Cross. Get prepared, California. Limited tickets for details. Log on to KFIAM640.com. All right. Now, there you go. You can have that until the next time. Uh, matter of fact, we should laminate that because we'll be doing that for a few years. Anyway, let's uh, go on more handle on the news. You know, I was just watching a video of uh, the president. I thought he was down on the tarmac uh, when the Koreans uh, came. The uh, No, he was up... I think he'd gone in the airplane and walked out with him. And then at one point, he uh, was hilarious. And I don't know. This is just speculation, knowing me and knowing the president. So he's talking to one of uh, the Koreans, one of them named Kim, Mr. Kim, of which all of them are. So that's a good guess on my part. And he sort of looks at him, puts his arms out a little bit, shrugs and nods and says, hey, did we pull this off or what? You could just see that. Now, whether that was it or not, I don't know, but, but just it's one of those memes. Just put in the words. Wouldn't you love to do the mis- remember Mystery Science Theater? Yes. Oh my God. Wouldn't you love to just Mystery Science Theater yeah. politics, period? Yeah. Bad lip syncing. Oh so uh, just hilarious. All right, uh, back we go. Uh, and by the way, Jen, is, do you know if there's any update on this story uh, about this man who was in the trench that collapsed on him? Because because at the time. They think he's dead, and they're trying to oh, get no, him they're out. To dig, they, yes. They're digging him out. It's been hours. It took six hours, and they found his body. Okay, oh, yeah. thank you for that update. It was a construction site in Lake Forest. This big tra- 15 feet deep, 17 yeah. feet wide. This happens. Collapsed on top it of him. It happens occasionally. And uh, he is deceased. Also, that's a workers' comp uh, case. You know that. 
that's not a big lawsuit uh, because it, there's no fault. It was done at work unless they can go to a third party. Uh, and maybe the digging was wrong, the shoring was wrong, and it was a private contractor that did it as opposed to, let's say, Caltrans that was digging in this ditch. All right, let's just move on. Well, there was a deal that was made that uh, helped to have a strike averted. The L.A. School District and union officials came to some sort of agreement on Tuesday night, and that helped to avert the one-day strike that was planned for next week. Remember, we were talking about this one. And uh, they say that this pact will run through 2020, removes one labor problem from the desk of the incoming superintendent, whose first day on the job would have coincided with the strike. That's a heck of a first day. It goes all the way to 2020. Yeah. So not only do they get the 3% raise, but they'll still be able to call uh, 20 after the hour for their uh, $1,000 giveaway. (laughs) (laughs) You know, this morning I am uh, on on fire. Yeah, you are on fire. Today I'm going to get... Some response from management. I guarantee you. Uh, One of the biggest public pension funds voted yesterday to try to pressure gun sellers to stop selling so-called assault weapons. This is the uh, California Teachers Retirement System. Yep, $222 billion. 900,000 pensioners. Now, there's also the California Public Employees Retirement uh, Fund. That's $350 billion. I don't know if that's the biggest one in the nation. I think, yeah, maybe the biggest one in the world, non-governmental. Well, probably the biggest one in the world anyway. So it is, um, and I'm wondering if if they combined yet. I know uh, in March they decided not to, but I'm wondering if they were combining. And this is one of those, uh, we're not going to deal with, uh, companies, uh, which means we're not going to invest in. Now, they don't use the word divestiture in here, but that's a big, powerful thing, too. Uh, South Africa, the United States would not deal with South Africa, not only on a governmental level, but on private investment level. If you did business, uh, we weren't going to put money into your stock. Israel gets that all the time until the occupying forces leave uh, uh, leave the West Bank, for example. Well, dozens of wrestlers molested by a coach in Torrance are going to get a settlement check. Now, this had 24 people, 24 kids who were sexually molested uh, by uh, this uh, teacher, uh, Thomas Joseph Snyder. And uh, there was a lawsuit and it just settled for uh, $31 million. This is uh, uh, Torrance Unified School District. And they said, uh, we didn't want to go to trial, which is fair. We don't want to put the students through that. And uh, we think uh, we've stuck a, struck, stu- struck a reasonable balance. $31 million for uh, Torrance Unified School District. How big is Torrance Unified School District? Can't be that big. Exactly. I'll bet you $31 million is a nice hit. But As this- in, there'll be no school books for the rest of uh, the next two years, although they can call in at 20 after the hour and maybe. All right, let's just move on. Did you hear, by the way, that um, I, I didn't know the details of actually the molestation conviction of this coach? He would have his wrestlers stripped down and he would oh, pretend yeah. to check them for ringworm. Uh, where? How? Ringworm. Uh, ringworm comes uh, from the place. Ringworm detected at the exit. Just. Uh. The LAPD did something to end an armed standoff that a lot of people, including me, thought was pretty cool. Yeah. Well, the police commission says it wasn't cool at all. And uh, this is the... (laughs) 
the case of the guy that they shot from the helicopter. From a hel- they helicopter had never done shooting. before. And that was considered out of policy. Even though he was armed, he had shot at cops. This took over several hours. He uh, was shooting not only at the police officers there, but at the helicopter. And they just shot him from the copter. Out of policy. Shouldn't have shot from the copter. And this went over a course of hours. And uh, all of a sudden, it's out of policy, which, of course, means a lawsuit, which, of course, means uh, this cockroach, uh, his family uh, will no doubt get some money because they're going to bring up out of policy, out of policy, out of policy. If it's proper to shoot a guy and nobody's really saying it was not proper to shoot him, why does it matter from where you shot him? Uh, because uh, I guess they the line is drawn at helicopters. Seems very arbitrary. I, it does, to me. sir seems that way to me. Let's take a break. We'll come back and uh, we'll finish up handle on the news. This is KFI. Because we're gonna be legends. Gonna get their attention. What we're doing here KFI handle here. It is a Thursday, May tenth, and I just uh, did. I just misplace all my stories. I might have. Uh, yeah, I don't know where the hell they are. Let me see if they're here. Oh yeah, I got them. I got them. I got them. All right, uh, big stories. We're covering the prisoner release. Uh, yeah, we'll talk about that at 7 o'clock. Lots of fun on that one. And uh, Gina Haspel, new CIA director. She's going to be the CIA director, but uh, what was going on there, just that's a hoot too. Nothing like in front of a, a Senate that where it's basically the only thing I was missing was the music for a musical because the thing is so written and so scripted. All right, let's go ahead and finish handle on the news. Jennifer Jones-Lee. And Wayne Resnick and me. You talk about stuff that's a hoot. Have you heard these explanations for why corporations say they hired Michael Cohen? I know. Isn't that crazy? This is where Stormy begins. Now, we start with, it's not because of his, uh, the closeness to the president. It's not because of accessibility. No, no. Okay, not at all. Uh, So, let's just go through it. Columbus Nova. How about we hired Cohen to advise on real estate? Yeah. Well, he does. That's, that's about as the most legitimate of all. Now, he's not a real estate advisor. He is an investor to the tune of tens of millions of dollars. Okay? I personally would hire someone who deals in real estate to the point of billions of dollars because there's plenty of those. But no, uh, good ten, uh, tens of millions of dollars and there's something. Then it gets really good. <laughs> no, Vardis. We hired Cohen to advise on health care policy, realized he was useless for this after just one meeting, but couldn't get out of his contract. $1.2 million for the year before the first meeting, even sitting down. Uh, here is a sidebar story to Michael Cohen. He sends an assistant to purchase prescriptions. He doesn't even buy his own prescriptions. I just made that up. But he has nothing to do with pharmaceuticals. Nothing. I mean, zero, you know, other than taking an Ambien at night. I mean, that's it. Well, AT&T said, hey, we hired him for his insights into the Trump administration. Korean aerospace industry said we hired Cohen for his uh, accounting ex- expertise. Accounting expertise. Yeah. Uh, guy's a lawyer. Uh, mm. never, I, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but insights into the Trump administration. That's as close to the line as you can get. Yeah. Uh, and But that's not lobbying. Just say, tell us what this president is about. What can we expect versus going to the administration saying, help these people out. Uh, so uh, I totally believe that they just wanted to know what's Donald Trump about. I would scream, turn on the TV. <laughs> you have all the information you want. Should chimpanzees have the same rights as human beings? One judge says, uh, maybe. 
This is such a weird case. This has been going on in New York for a long time. There are these two chimps, Tommy and Kiko, and there's an animal rights group that has been trying to get them declared as having the same rights as humans, and therefore... They should be free. free. And they're, because you can't obviously have involuntary servitude. You can't have slaves. And being locked in a cage is pretty slave-like. And so uh, the argument was that they are so close to people, they plan, uh, they can identify themselves, they communicate, uh, they have emotions, they laugh, all of that. And the courts up to this point said, no, 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 no. Uh, that's just uh, not going to happen because they're animals. It's property. Well, the judge who agreed with that concept said, but let's question this, okay? Uh, they share 96% with humans, make tools, recognize themselves, display con- uh, uh, compassion. They're able to plan, as I said. And uh, I would argue the same thing with dogs, by the way. Dogs uh, have senses, uh, they have senses of humor. Some dogs, oh, you absolutely, definitely. you can tell you. Uh, they certainly feel they're emotive. Yeah. Uh, they can do Excel spreadsheets. I mean, there's some very clever dogs out there. You've been to my house, clearly. I have. So, uh, you know, where does the argument go? It's a chimp. That's what it is. If it's a thi- chimp. If he thinks that it's such an important thing. He should have gone the other way. He's making, why didn't he dissent then? Yeah, and yeah. he didn't. So it's kind of a weird thing. But so you know what's going to happen. Now in cases, everybody's going to cite his opinion, right. the dicta in his opinion, meaning the stuff that's not directly oh. germane to the, how they ruled, and they're going to say, look, a judge said that maybe they right. should be. Okay, here's another puppy story. Yeah, dog story. and those service dogs, usually it costs like $25,000 to get them trained to be a service animal. Well, there's a company in Virginia who apparently wasn't training them at all. The dogs. I don't, and selling them for $25,000. Yes, three-month-old Labrador retriever puppies that were unable to perform their task or even to hey. properly walk on a leash. I have a question. Who is going to pay $25,000? $25,000 for a fully trained three-month-old puppy. I mean, think, think of the logic there. All right. you can do is look at them and go pee on the rug. And then half the time they'll do it and half the time they won't. I mean, it's just, yeah, this is caveat emptor. This is buyer beware. Because you can't, you have to be really stupid to not understand. You cannot train a three-month-old pup, uh, puppy to be a guide dog, uh, a dog that can, well, and that's controversial, can smell, uh, can sense blood sugar levels for diabetics. Yeah, which and, is what this was. Yeah, that's pretty, biz- I mean, that's sort of out there. And the, But certainly the blind, the hearing impaired, uh, the emotional support. I'm talking about people that are psychotic and the dogs go out of their way to snuggle and they understand. Yeah. Uh, those are legitimate, but three-month-old puppies, fully trained. Uh, you can. They're barely housebroken, aren't they, at three months? Yeah, and I mean, but these dogs wouldn't even respond when called. Like, they wouldn't even respond to their own names. Yeah, all right, we're done. That they can do. All right, let's do it. All right, coming up, North Korea. Oh, there's a world to that. The prisoners are released. What's ahead for the U.S. and North Korea? The politics of it, the optics of it, which is probably 90% of what happened yesterday. And I'll cover all of that when we return. KFI AM 640. here on a uh, Thursday morning, May 10th. Some of the biggest stories we are covering is, uh, first of all, Gina Haspel uh, last uh, night, yesterday, in front of the uh, Senate, uh, defending herself. She's the uh, CIA director nominee. 
And, of course, uh, we'll talk more about that. It was ridiculous yesterday. It was a dog and pony show. It was just stupid is what it was, both on mainly the Senate side in her responses. Totally contrived, uh, totally scripted, and we'll talk more about that. All right, also, uh, the big news, too, is the New York uh, prisoner, I mean, the uh, North Korea prisoner release. Actually, the prisoner release of Americans. Uh, We're talking about Korean-Americans. So, uh, they were being held in North Korean prison and picked up. Two of them having worked at uh, a technical college that's funded by Christian missionaries and allowed to, uh, actually allowed to operate in Pyongyang. Uh, The other one was a consultant. This has to do with agriculture and science, and they get arrested for no good reason. Hostile acts against the state. No one knows what the hell that is. Otto Wormbeier, uh, beer was arrested for taking down a poster. As ridiculous as that is, you can point to a reason. With these three, there was no reason. And so they're picked up, of course, and uh, one of them uh, was in 2015. The other one's last spring, the other two last spring. And so we've been hearing a lot about the prisoner release and Mike Pompeo and setting up the uh, uh, setting up the uh, summit that's going to happen probably next month between Kim Jong Un and President Trump, and it looks like it's going to be in uh, Singapore. Now the optics of this, and uh, President Trump took it to a new level of optics. Here is uh, a man who takes credit for everything, no matter what. And I don't care if you think it was a good thing, which I think it was. I'm going to give him credit for this. Because even though he did not begin the process, uh, Kim Jong-un was the first one that started the process, sort of, and then started caving in or started giving concessions. But the president certainly uh, made this thing happen. Uh, Other presidents have always said, we're we're never going to meet with Kim Jong-un as long as uh, there's weaponry there, as long as there's nuclear weapons, as long as it's a uh, rogue state. Well, Donald Trump said, let's put all that aside Let's start negotiating. You can't move ahead without sitting down and talking. And the argument, the criticism, well, you're going to give Kim Jong-un legitimacy and you're going to somehow legitimize the state. Yeah, it is. It's in the UN. It's a real country. It has borders. It has North Koreans. It has a president, albeit it's Kim Jong-un. It has nuclear weapons. What, you can ignore that and just say it's a rogue state we're not going to talk to? Well, you can't. And uh, the president, to his credit, said, you know what? We've got to talk. No matter what, we've got to sit down and talk. But then he comes from a negotiating position. This is what he has done his entire life as a developer. So uh, for all kinds of political reasons, we've covered that before, uh, and we will continue covering it. It's a question of what happened with the optics. That's the part that fascinates me the most. Three o'clock in the morning, or two, I think it was three o'clock in the morning, uh, Eastern time, the plane comes down. It's a State Department plane, big one, I think it's uh, 757 or whatever it is, uh, and lands at Andrews Air Force Base, 3 a.m. The president is there to uh, welcome the three back. Now, uh, it is a big deal, and I have no problem with the president welcoming them back. I truly don't. And you would think the president welcoming someone back, he'd be at the bottom of the tarmac or at the bottom of the stairs on the tarmac, and they come down and shake hands and maybe a hug or two. Uh, Nope. President Melania go up the stairs into the plane because, damn it all, those news cameras are going to have him in every minute of every shot. And God forbid it's just the Koreans 
just the American Koreans or the Korean Americans who are getting off the airplane. Because the media hates Donald Trump. Of course it does. And the media would make sure that it's not going to have a video of the president welcoming. It'll be them coming off the airplane, right at the top of the stairs. No, 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 no. He's going to be there. He walks on. They all walk off together. They all stand at the top of the stairs doing a little bit of uh, talking and gesturing. And uh, it's a happy scene also. The guys look great, by the way. Proof positive that they were pawns. And that there's not enough discussion about that, that. As great as it is, look where it started. They were arrested for no reason to be used as pawns. It's obvious. So the president is up there. You would think the family would be there welcoming uh, their uh, loved ones. No. Family is not allowed to be at the bottom of the stairs hugging and kissing for security reasons. Quote, because they had to go out and be debriefed. Now, uh, really? How? How much damage would it be if you had a brother, a sister, a son, a wife just hugging and kissing and now they, they're whisked away and now goes to the debrief? Why wouldn't you have family members there welcoming their loved ones? I have a theory, and that's because that would be covered by the media. That's the video you would see. You'd see maybe a second of the president welcoming them, and the rest of it would be the family members hugging each other. Because, first of all, it's a lot more human interest. It is. The emotion of family members doing that just connects with people. I mean, people are engaged with that. That's something we can all understand. I mean, a president uh, running up the stairs, getting on an airplane, coming off with a bunch of people. I mean, we see that all the time. But there's something official about that. And that's in quotes. There's nothing official about hugging someone who's come out of prison. But again, what does that mean? That means that the president is not in that video shoot. And the argument, and I'm going to go the other side of this, the argument in, uh, in favor of Trump is that if there is any reason not to video the president, the media will do it. Any. How do we screw over the president in terms of video? How do we keep him out of the shot? It's a game now. It's a game. It's fake news. What do we do to screw the president, both in terms of questioning, in terms of coverage? When he talks about the, the bias in the media, it's absolutely true. So that's the way the press is now covering the president. And probably that's one of the reasons that President Trump always has been saying this forever, is thinking of taking away credentials, White House credentials from the major news outlets. And as I said earlier, there's going to be exactly two credentials news outlets that are going to be left in the White House. It'll be Fox News and it'll be InfoWars with Alex Jones. Those are the two. Hilarious. Coming up, the FDA says absolutely no to stem cell companies. Why? Because for the most part, they're a fraud, and they have been, and your chance to win $1,000. KFI handle here, and uh, good morning. Big stories that we're covering, uh, the prisoner release. Uh, we'll do more about that uh, throughout the day. Oh, incidentally, as we speak right now, Israel is striking uh, Iranian targets in Syria. It, it, there is a conflict going on, but it's pretty low level where it's just missile attacks on both sides. So we'll see if that uh, gets more serious. Also, here's your chance to win some cash. Your shot at $1,000 now. Text the keyword bank to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's bank to 200-200.
They call the winner, so you have to answer that call or you lose. Bob in Canyon Country answered the call, and he won $1,000. There's a chance to win every hour, Monday through Friday, 5 a.m. to 7 p.m. All right, uh, back we go. I don't know if you know anything about stem cell companies. There is a medical, quasi-medical procedure out there where they remove stem cells uh, from you. And uh, what you do is one of two things. They use to treat uh, you for uh, a whole variety of uh, problems, of which, incidentally, nothing is FDA approved. And or you freeze your stem cells and you get to use them later on. Now, they're already doing that with core blood, you umbilical core blood. And what you do is uh, when they do the old snip, the there's a bunch of the umbilical cords uh, or cord, and there's a lot of blood in there. It's full of blood. Well, those are all uh, stem cells. Those are extraordinary cells. Out of stem cells, the T cells that are there, uh, you can create almost anything. That's where they're using uh, probably the most useful kinds of cells to then grow body parts and to cure, et cetera. But uh, adults, even children, it's a different story. So you have uh, the, there's two sides of this. Uh, you've got uh, stem cell clinics who are saying you really want to do this. And why? Because even though the science isn't there yet, and it's all anecdotal, incidentally, they, they, they help. And I know people have done stem cell uh, replacement and uh, for knee problems. Yeah, great. Best thing ever happened. Uh, I bar- barely walk, and then I did the stem cell procedure, and now I'm dancing and jumping on trampolines and doing whatever the hell I could never do. So those are anecdotal. Some people, nothing happens. Uh, there haven't been studies done because the studies, can you imagine stem cells, whether it helps or not? I mean, that's a study. And it's not a pharmaceutical company that produces this stuff. This is a medical procedure. And so what has the FDA done? Well, they're uh, asking the federal courts to stop them, stop two of them, because uh, there are reports of uh, patients being blinded by stem cell applications or stem cell procedures. And uh, hundreds of these clinics have popped up in recent years. Uh, Treatments for Parkinson's, autism, multiple sclerosis. Not one has been approved by the feds. And now there are stem cell researchers. I mean, people are serious about looking at this, real science. And former patients who either did nothing. And by the way, this is expensive stuff to do. Or it actually hurt those patients and they're telling the feds, the FDA, you've got to shut this down. You really do. The commissioner, uh, one of the commissioners of the FDA uh, said, you know, this is a field where there's a lot of medical promise. But we also see bad actors putting people at risk. Now, on the other side, uh, the co-founder of the largest group of independent stem cell clinics said the FDA's court action is ridiculous. Uh, And here's why. That this shouldn't even be uh, controlled by the FDA. This is not a drug. Well, that's a crock. Let me tell you, the FDA uh, controls medical procedures that are not drugs, controls medical equipment that is not a drug so that argument is uh, basically crazy to say the least by the way plastic surgeon berman said they would have to go out of their way to claim your own personal cells taken out of your own body are drugs well the here here's the question and maybe they're going to win on that because the procedure to take stem cells is you take a drill you go into bone you take out bone material and you take out uh, bone marrow, 
And out of that come your stem cells. Go, okay, what's what part of drilling into a bone and taking out bone marrow are we having a problem with here? I mean, that's an approved by the FDA forever. How do you treat leukemia, for example? How do you do blood transfusions or blood donation? That's, well, in terms of marrow, bone marrow transplants. I forgot what, is it transplants or just bone marrow donations? Anyway, that's how they do it. They drill into the bone. Well, the problem is, is that does the FDA have the power, and I think it does, to say using this kind of procedure, which is absolutely fine, as a cure or a process or a medical procedure that is not FDA approved. For example, no one's going to argue bandages, right? So here is a bandage. You go and you get a safety bandage. You get a Band-Aid, and there's a box. And on the box, it says, this is a cure or will help you with malignant moles. Uh, You think that would be under FDA jurisdiction, and they say no? I'm making the analogy here. And it's probably a horrible analogy, I might add. I'll bet you people are thinking, Handel, that's one of the stupidest analogies I've ever heard in my life. But unless it's real science, I'm not a big fan at all. That's like the cryopreservation. You take your head like Ted Williams and you put it into a liquid nitrogen vat uh, because the future is going to be such that 200 years from now, they'll be able to put you in a microwave on defrost, put, push, uh, put, put the defrost button on, and all of a sudden you're going to come out because they have the science to now take your head or your body and you're back to normal and bring you back to six years of age. But here's the difference. Not one of those companies claims that that is going to happen. No guarantee. They're saying in the event science will be there, then you will be frozen. And theoretically, you'll be defrosted successfully. I have no idea if you can or not. But they don't make any claims. It's a big if. And so people spend a couple hundred thousand dollars to do it, which is legitimate because they know up front, no guarantees. Go ahead and freeze your body. Become a peepsicle. I'm fine with that. All right. Coming up, Gina Haspel's questioning. Oh, yes. Yesterday, she's going to be, and she's going to be the next CIA director. But what a zoo it was yesterday. KFI AM 640. Okay. Don't you worry, don't you worry, child. See, heaven's got a plan for you. Don't you worry, don't you worry now. Yeah. KFI Handle here, and uh, good morning. On a Thursday, top stories that we're covering the aftermath of uh, the three American prisoners from North Korea. And that's ahead of the U.S. uh, North Korea meeting, uh, which is going to happen, it looks like, in Singapore. As we speak right now, uh, the attacks are going on. Israel is attacking Iranian uh, military bases or uh, at least military installations in Syria uh, because the attack into Israel came from Syria from Iranian military installations. Missiles are going back and forth. All right. Now. Uh, Gina Haspel yesterday, and we knew this was going to happen. Fireworks were going to happen. She's a nominee for CIA director. She's now acting CIA director. She's by far the most qualified person out there. She's been with the CIA for 30 years. She has been an operative. She has been in management. She's run detention centers. I mean, she's run spies. She's done everything. Well, uh, we knew the Democrats were going to get really pissed off. Why? Because she was involved in torture. 
which at that time was called waterboarding. Now it's just, they don't even call it waterboarding. They just call it out now torture. And she ran one of those secret black centers in Turkey dealing with uh, accused uh, terrorists that the United States picked up or were turned over to the United States. And the big issues were you ran this and it was immoral. You're a torturer. How can we possibly confirm you as CIA director? And the questions were asked, uh, what if the CIA were ordered to undertake what was legal but was immoral? Would you do it as a director? And she answers, of course, I could have written this for her. I would not allow CIA to undertake uh, activity that I thought was immoral, even if it was technically legal. And there were a lot of questions, pointed questions about her values, her priorities. Uh, She was questioned by both backers and critics, but of course we're talking about critics. One of the senators, or several of them, pressed her for her role in destroying tapes of CIA interrogations of one of the detainees. Are you in favor of that, destroying evidence? She said, yeah, I was an advocate because... It was found to be conforming to U.S. law. Well, why'd you do it? Because there were CIA operatives. There were interrogators in that room, and there was video, and we weren't going to show their faces. Now, law said we had to keep a record of it, which we did. However, the videos themselves were uh, erased. Well, that's horrible. That's terrible. But at the time, that was the way it went. I mean, at the time, this was under the Bush administration, and that was what our rules and laws were. And I guess what the implication was, even though you were ordered and waterboarding was part of, and it was clear, incidentally, I mean, they didn't just arbitrarily, capriciously waterboard people. I mean, it went up through the channels. uh, And uh, I think even um, President's Council said it was okay. Uh, I mean, it went up that high. Uh, What... The senators, and we're talking about the Democratic senators, are saying, uh, how dare you have done that? I think effectively pressing the point that said it was so immoral, you should have simply refused. Yeah, give up your career, quit, tell the government, go screw yourself, even though it was legal because you're so offended by waterboarding, waterboarding a potential uh, a potential threat to the United States. Handel, can I interrupt you real fast? Yes, CNN is reporting that the Trump Kim Jong Un uh, meeting will pay- take place June twelfth okay. in Singapore. Got it. All right. Well, we knew that was going to happen. Now it's official. Now we have a date. Okay. At least. Thank you. So uh, there she is, Gina Haspel, uh, a- answering questions about shoulda, woulda, coulda, and they go back all these years. And she said, "Listen, it was after nine eleven. We were at a different place." We don't have the same view of waterboarding or the type of interrogations, enhanced interrogations we do now. Well, you should have. Okay. So that makes me, now I can't be the director of the CIA. I mean, that's how crazy this is. Oh, and then she was asked specifically, oh, I love this. Uh, Does torture work? Because the president said uh, when asked about it, that torture absolutely works. I think he did this as a camp during the campaign. And she said, I don't believe that torture works. However, valuable information has been gained from debriefing senior Al-Qaeda operatives. Even though they were waterboarded. Okay. 
there's a little contradiction because you knew that was a question that was going to be asked. And when these nominees go in front of uh, the Senate or the House, these committees, guess what happens? I mean, it gets crazy. And it's all rehearsed, particularly the Senate, because they're the, co- the confirming body. It is all rehearsed. Questions are thrown. It's like when they do debates, when you have presidential debates. For days before they rehearse, and they have big playbooks, and every possible question is anticipated, so nothing has not been determined uh, that is going to be asked. Nothing. So uh, let's talk about torture, right? Does it work? Uh, the president says it does. I don't believe that torture works. But valuable information has been gained from debriefing senior al-Qaeda operatives, which, by the way, included torture. And then here's her wiggle room here. It's impossible to determine whether interrogation techniques played a role in that. And then you follow up saying, I don't believe that torture works, but you just said uh, that it was part of it and you got information. Which one is it? Well, she didn't go that far because she wouldn't because even when here's what happens senators try to nail that so the question is which one is it warner asked that of her senator warner and she said i don't believe it works however we have gained valuable information it's like when a politician is asked a question and all the politician does is spin And you only ask the question so many times until the chair says that's enough. Because what's going to be the follow-up? Either you answer the question or I'm going to hold you in contempt. The committee will hold you in contempt. Senator, I just answered the question. Which one is it? I don't believe it works. However, that's what was happening yesterday. And it was contrived. It was rehearsed. It was just... It was, just, it was a dog and pony show. And she said, I would never, ever take CIA back to an interrogation program. Would you do anything that you found morally objectionable? Of course not. Naturally, I wouldn't. Because I don't believe in torture, except when I believe in torture. And I don't believe in uh, hiding any evidence unless I'm hiding evidence and it's pursuant to law. And I don't believe I don't believe. All right, coming up, uh, the CSU mental health, the Cal State University system, mental health problems, big ones, and a personal story about being a fruitcake during college that I'm going to share with you. KFI AM 6. KFI AM 640 handle here on a Thursday morning news that's just breaking now, and it's big news. Yeah, we just saw a tweet from the president that says five... ISIS leaders, or most wanted, have been captured. And so we're doing some digging right now. NBC News is reporting that these ISIS commanders, this is a fascinating story if this is really how this went down. Iraq actually captured these five ISIS commanders, describing them as some of the most wanted. But listen to how this went down, apparently. One of these guys was actually captured in February, but the uh, Iraq used a telegram messaging app on this leader's phone to lure the four other guys into Syria. And that's where they grabbed them then. And so we're still shaking this out. But if this is the case, this has been going on for a few months. But they used the information off of this one guy's phone to get the other guys and lure them over. Yeah, let's spend a minute or two talking about that. And I'll do uh, the mental health issue a little bit later because uh, my mental health uh, situation does not change very much. It's, uh, it goes, just goes from bad to worse. So that's not a problem. 
Uh, but I do want to talk a moment or two about uh, the sophistication level of uh, capturing these guys. The Israelis, they kill a lot of terrorists, and uh, they have used cell phones to do that, uh, where a cell phone will ring, and uh, they know who the terrorist is, and they switch out a cell phone, and will actually have an explosive inside, and they've blown more than a few heads off doing that. So you're saying these were, this is Iraqi intelligence that put this together? Yeah, but this is in cooperation with U.S. forces, and apparently this was all part of an American-led coalition. And they followed him into Syria? Yeah, so they, this, okay, this guy named uh, Al-Ithwahi, I think, uh, was captured in February and by Turkish authorities and handed over, the guy was handed over to Iraqi agents. It were, those Iraqi agents then were the ones who found the messaging app on this guy's phone and then lured the other four commanders from the group from Syria into Iraq, into a trap. And that's where they got him. All right. Is there any information out there as far as what's going to happen? I'm assuming, are they back in Iraq? Uh, the military obviously has them as prisoners. They're in uh, yellow prisoner uniforms right now. Uh, let's see. Uh, according to Iraqi state TV, um, they say, okay, here's the Iraqi prime minister said they will take all necessary measures against militants in Syria. And uh, that's about all I got right now. But I'll, I'll keep digging as you're talking right now all right so this is uh and and i assume that the president is uh going to take credit not in a negative sense this is not an attack on the president on this one at all or him saying it was because of me because he didn't say that but it's part of the war uh against terrorism uh al-qaeda and isis and at least the information we're getting is that we are quote winning the war although it's an unwinnable war uh against terrorists it's just a question of the number of attacks and how they succeed and the number of attacks that are foiled, of which we will never know. We occasionally get a hint of uh, some kind of a major planning, uh, the planning of a major event that's coming, and uh, the FBI will release uh, information that that has been foiled. And we and we were able to deal with the authorities were able to deal with it because of chatter and there's a bunch of different ways. These, these things usually do not happen in a vacuum. Uh, either the chatter goes on where they're talking about, and it's usually in code, uh, where uh, and when and big things are coming and be prepared, or it goes totally silent. Where they have information, it's one of the targets that they're talking about. We're talking about uh, the ISIS folks or any terrorist group. And all of a sudden, leading up to a potential attack, nothing is said. And that, of course, puts uh, the authorities on alert that something is going to be happening. And certainly we've done a very good job here in the United States uh, to avert major terrorist attack. I mean, when's the last time a plane's gone down? Uh, when's the last time a building has been attacked? And we, and we experience lone wolf attacks for the most part, which are very difficult to either foil, depending on how lone the wolf is, and uh, those are very, very, very difficult to deal with. And I just want to clarify that they lured them from Syria into Turkey. That's where they caught them. And was it with the co- cooperation of the Turkish authorities? Do we know that at all? I don't know that. Yeah, it just says that they came from Turkey. Um, let's see. The Iraqis sent the Turks an intelligence file that they had on one of the guys, and the Turkish security forces arrested him February 15th. He is the one whose information they got off the cell phone. All right. So they had to know. As more information comes in, and it comes in minute by minute, uh, we'll cover it. Uh, Jennifer, of course, is uh, following along on all of uh, the news outlets. 
And we're going to come back and uh, talk. Give Let's get fun for a moment, okay? It's such heavy news we're dealing with today. Uh, so it's a success from scratch. Actually, protein bars. You'd think protein bars would be boring as hell, wouldn't you? I mean, everybody. As a matter of fact, I may even go to the machine down the hall, our little 7-Eleven, and have a protein bar while I'm telling you this story. Yeah, I just might. That's coming up right here. KFI AM 640. KFI handle here. And good morning. You know, I was going to, do we have Quest Bars over in, uh, you know, can you find out, uh, Alex, if we have Quest Bars in our little 7-Eleven over there down the hall? Because that's what this success from scratch is about. And it's a set from scratch, brought to you by Lifteek. Look ears younger without facelift surgery. Go to lifteek.com. And uh, we were switching topics a little bit, so we didn't have time to, uh, to go to the vending machine down the hall to see if there's Quest Bars. Because this is about Quest Bar, and I'd rather do this while eating a Quest Bar if possible. Okay, protein bars, right? Uh, great for athletes. People trying to lose weight, anyone looking for a quick and easy source of protein. My wife does that all the time. I just took a protein bar. Uh, but most of these are complete garbage, full of sugar, high in calories, no better nutritionally than a candy bar. Some of them taste like crap. I mean, I've had a few where I take a bite and I just throw them away. And I never throw away food. Never. Quest bars, though, are different. They actually started a revolution in this entire protein supplement uh, products industry. So here is their story. Tom Bilyeu. With two friends, Ron Penna and Mike Osborne, uh, they co-founded Quest in 2010. Uh, nobody, this is kind of fun, nobody involved with starting the company had any prior experience with nutrition or food products, any of that. Tom was a film major at SC, worked as a marketing manager for a small data company which was sold. So Tom had to figure out, what do I do with my life? And during that time, he was also pretty fat. So one of the first things he did was lose 60 pounds. And after that, no Quest Bars, okay? And I can't get the garbage bars they, they have over there because those are, the only one, the granola bars are kind of uh, fun tasting, but they have uh, 486 calories and no protein, and uh, they don't really work as nutritional bars. So Tom wanted to help other people in his family who were also fat. And one of the ways, he said, is, okay, we make better protein bars, and that supplements uh, your weight loss journey. okay. And uh, so he's looking around. There aren't a lot of attractive options out there at that time. Uh, and still today, it's, re- it's uh, minimal. Uh, Bill Yu, Tom, realized there was an opportunity. And coincidentally, two of his former workers from that data company were also interested in the idea. So the three of them got together and began this company, started to work. And since the men had no prior experience in this industry, they didn't even know where to go. So they began making the bars in Tom's kitchen. And they spent months in perfecting this recipe. And here was the problem. No added sugar. And at the same time, it couldn't taste like crap. So they got this recipe. Then they moved to a small commercial kitchen. They rented by the hour with each bar made by hand. Rolling pins and handheld knives. Which obviously was a little too labor intensive. So they tried to find some equipment that could do this. And there wasn't anything out there that would do what they needed. And so they tried some existing machinery. That was a disaster because it would overheat and break down every 10 minutes. So they hired a company to build them a custom machine that would perfectly shape their bars. 
and if you ever watch uh, uh, any of the documentaries about companies that manufacture insert name of product, food product uh, here, you always see these machines that do it. Those are all, for the most part, custom made. Uh, there's a world to that. So they went ahead. I don't even know how much money they spent, but it wasn't cheap. So with a production system finally in place, they started to approach companies, big ones that can manufacture the bars. Uh, and we're talking about trying to put them, those bars, in retail stores. That is the problem. Getting shelf space. So at first, no retailers would even stock the Quest bars. I mean, zero. So Tom had to come up with another plan, and he sent a 1,000 handwritten letters to athletes and fitness models who had big followings on Instagram and included was a Quest bar. These are Internet influencers. Now, keep in mind, this is years ago when that wasn't known a lot. And these folks liked the bars and started posting them uh, about them on social media and to show you when you talk about how successful and how important social media is. By the second year, uh, there was $10 million in revenue without one being in a retail store. Now, that's impressive as hell. So the company's presence grew, and it caught the eye of GNC and Vitamin Shop. Those were the first two stores that began carrying the bars. And not wanting to abandon their original online following, they said, we still need online. It's probably more important. They had a team of, quote, brand ambassadors, fitness-minded people, CrossFit competitions, weightlift meets, health fairs to hand out samples. In the first three years, Quest grew by, are you ready for this? 57,000%. By their fourth year in business, sales are $100 million, never taking a dime in outside funding. They own the whole thing. Today, Quest brings in over $300 million in revenue, and it's valued at over a billion dollars. The first two Quest bars, Vanilla Almond Crunch, Peanut Butter Supreme. Today, they're over 20. Apple Pie, Birthday Cake, S'mores, Mocha Chocolate, Mocha Chocolate Chip, Rocky Road, Blueberry Muffin, and my very favorite one, uh, after having watched Harry Potter and those jelly bellies, those jelly beans, the vomit-flavored ones. Oh, no, I'm, I'm sorry, I misread that. That's not on there. Uh, they also sell protein products, protein cookies, protein powder, High-protein potato chips, which I have not tried yet, but I can't imagine how disgusting a high-protein potato chip could possibly be. Now, high-protein cookies are disgusting in and of themselves. I mean, I, there's just something about high-protein cookies that just don't work. Eh, I don't, just, I don't get it. Potato chips? I don't know. Last time I got excited about potato chips were, uh, was when they were using, uh, what is that, Olera? Was that it? Yeah, what was that? Uh, yeah. Yeah, Olera, where uh, the fat, 30% of the fat is not absorbed, and they talk right on, on the potato chip label. Potato chips, watch out for oily stools. Yes, they do. Oh, it's fantastic. Isn't it on, like, Pringles or something? Yeah, it was, it was on right on something the totally disgusting. It was wonderful. Remember. Hey, what a way, a wonderful way to end our Success from Scratch segment. What do you think? When in doubt, always go there. Always. All right, coming up. Puerto Rico, still in a blackout, a lot of it. Why? And this is months after the hurricane. That's coming up, plus your chance. I was born in Puerto Rico. We came here when I was a child. 
KFI handle here. It is a uh, Thursday morning. Boy, what a week it has been for news. I don't remember this much news in one week. Uh, the big stories that we're covering. Uh, well, first of all, chance to win some cash, of course. Your shot at $1,000 now. Text the keyword WIN to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's WIN to 200-200. The winner's notified with a phone call. You've got to answer it like Michael in Riverside did. He won $1,000. Your next chance to win an hour from now. All right. Uh, the big stories we're covering, uh, of course, the uh, Korean uh, the. Uh, Korean Americans released by North Korea, and uh, that's going on. Attacks going on right now, by the way. Israelis uh, having attacked uh, Iranian forces, Iranian military installations in Syria. And Mike Pompeo is now uh, contacting everybody, all of our allies in Europe, saying, we've got to do something about this. What the hell's going on? Also dealing with the Iran deal. So there is so much going on. All right. Now, uh, Puerto Rico. God, I feel like uh, playing West Side Story when we do that. Don't you? Uh, just Puerto Rico. All right. Uh, so uh, seven months uh, when Hurricane Maria shredded Puerto Rico. And you would think that Americans seven months later would have power. Right? And in less than a month, this year's hurricane season is going to hit. So the uh, Maria toppled 80% of the island's power lines. Remember, left the generators, left in the island. It was the largest, longest blackout in U.S. history. And you ready for this stat? The second largest blackout in the world on record. Here's the good news. 98% of utility customers do have their power back. The remaining 2%, uh, not so much. You're still talking about 22,000 people that can't turn on lights or refrigerate food or run water pumps. And so with that being said... What is happening to those 22,000 people? Because it's FEMA, the Fed's granting money or actually loaning money. Uh, well, they're saying goodbye. FEMA is uh, saying, chow, you're on your own, uh, winding down in the recovery, and is going to be handing over the reins to Puerto Rico's power officials. Puerto Rico's power officials. What does that tell you? Uh, yeah. So the end date for uh, the Fed's being involved is May 18th. And even with the federal supervision, this whole recovery has been marred by insane setbacks. Uh, there was a blackout in April that affected the entire island. There was that cyber attack in March. And the Army, it's so bad that the Army, which was very involved uh, with this, uh, the Army Corps of Engineers, have compared the situation to Iraq right after the U.S. invasion in 2003. Remember that was a mess? They're saying this is basically the same thing. And there are... A few factors. I mean, Puerto Rico is a god-awful mess. I mean, if all the places that shouldn't have had something like Maria hit, it's Puerto Rico. And that's for sure. Uh, let's talk about uh, the grid is the largest, most complex machinery ever built. Thousands of miles trans uh, transmission lines, gigawatts of generation, computers, route power, frequency regulators, transformers, constantly fluctuating because millions of people are using power and if any one of those goes wrong, effectively you have a power shutdown. And the most common cause of blackouts, damage to power lines. That's the big one. Debris falls on wires, winds knock down poles. So what's the answer? Go underground with utilities. That makes sense. You're protected from storms other than flooding, but you can deal with that. 
Well, it costs $174,000 per mile to run transmission lines above the ground. $1.4 million per mile to bury them. And Puerto Ricans don't have money to begin with. There's There's only so many hubcaps you can steal and sell. Which is why most utilities don't try... By the way, I'll get some emails on that one. Uh, Most utilities don't try to make the power system invulnerable. But you know what they do? They focus on getting the power back after the storm. Florida did a brilliant job. Uh, Remember Hurricane Irma? 20,000 utility workers from across the country were in the state before Irma made landfall. Puerto Rico said, oh, no, 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 we're doing this on our own. We're not going to bring in outside help. So what they did is they decided they're going to go private, right? Remember that? So uh, there was a $300 million grid repair contract signed with a company called Whitefish Energy. $300 million to repair Irma's aftermath. Uh, Whitefish had two full-time employees at the time and signed a $300 million contract. Isn't that a great deal? So uh, it's crazy. Now, here's another one. Congress appropriated about a $5 billion recovery loan in October for Puerto Rico. All right, okay, we have to borrow it. We don't get it as a grant. We should get it as a grant, but okay, we'll take it because we have no choice. Uh, But there's not money in the coffers to even give them the money. And so they are, the system is so uh, decrepit, even with, the 98% of the people having power, the system is falling apart. There is no money, which is why people are in mass migrating out of Puerto Rico. I mean, it's a brain drain like you can't believe. It's terrible. It really is. All right. Coming up, Handle on the News. Later. Handle on the News. Late edition. Handle on the News. Ben doesn't have a friend. That's because he's shy. No, he's not. He's fat and he's stupid. Here's Bill Handel. All right. KFI Handel here. It is a momentous Thursday. As I said, this week, the news has just exploded. Uh, Some of the bigger stories that we're covering, of course, is uh, the uh, prisoner release. Three American prisoners are home from North Korea. Uh, Israeli, uh, actually, it's Israeli Air Force Warplanes have bombed dozens of Iran-linked uh, military facilities. I, I just don't understand what they're doing with that. I truly don't. Uh, what's going on with uh, the, the shelling of uh, Israel, the Golan Heights, which is now part of Israel, uh, by Iranian forces? What did they think was going to happen? What did they think was going to happen? Matter of fact, we may even do that at uh, 9.50, because I think it's a hell of a story as this thing is panning out. And then Gina Hassel, uh, Haspel, in front of the Senate yesterday as uh, the nominee of the CIA director. Okay, a lot going on. Also, a quick announcement about uh, helping the American Red Cross Initiative to get prepared California for a $400 donation. You and a guest can enjoy cocktails and appetizers with all the KFI hosts and crew, plus unlimited sky, ride, sky slide rides during an exclusive evening at the beautiful OUE uh, space, Sky Space in downtown L.A., I think this is in October, uh, must be 21 years or older to attend. 100% of the proceeds will benefit the American Red Cross, get prepared California. Limited tickets for details, log on to KFIAM640.com, and the keyword is Mixer. All right, let's do it. 
Handle on the news. Late edition lead story. All right. Uh, the president said uh, North Korean detainees, prisoners are uh, in excellent health. North Koreans treated them excellently. Although Vice President uh, Pence said uh, maybe not. Because one of them had said to him, oh, I'm seeing daylight for the first time in so many years or in such a long time. So I guess if you don't have daylight, is that some form of torture? I guess it is. It depends. Yeah, it depends on how they do it. You need to know what kind of facility they were in. But it's not. I mean, obviously, that's not optimum for anybody. But don't you think President Trump, he he can't really get into uh, criticizing North Korea for how they treated these three guys, at least not right now. Just politically, that wouldn't work with North Korea. Hey, we gave you the three guys, and now you're bagging on us. He will never even say, and you will not see the administration even criticize Kim Jong-un for kidnapping them in the first place. For arresting three who we know are innocent people who happen to be in North Korea doing legitimate things. They were, two of them were teaching at uh, the science and agricultural school with full permission of the North Koreans. And I think one of them was a consultant uh, who was there. So. And by the way, the news that broke, one of the things that broke this morning was that we had a feeling that the meeting between the president and Kim Jong-un would be in Singapore. Now we know the date. That'll be on June 12th. Well, Israel... And we will not be sending any reporters, KFI reporters there because... Why not? Uh, because even a coach flight to Singapore uh, is like $800. Okay. Israel has launched massive military strikes against Iranian targets in Syria. This is war. There is a world to this because this ties into the Iran nuclear deal. What's going on with our allies, Mike Pompeo, the Israelis for the most part, or the more so than anybody else, including Saudi Arabia's backing up Donald Trump's position as far as backing out of the Iran the Iran nuclear deal. I'm going to do more about that at 950 because it really is a world of a story I want to do. Yeah, and this is this is just response too to obviously Iran with yeah. its rockets going toward Golan Heights. Right, and as I said, Pompeo is on his way. Or yeah, at least he's talking to allies big time. Well, he's got to try to convince many other countries to get on board with whatever the plan what is. What Israel is doing with and, Iran. But there are many moving pieces to this one. This is far more than just an attack on uh, Iranian forces in Syria or Iranian military installations. Yeah, but also he needs to talk to all our allies about how to move forward with a deal or no deal with Iran. Yeah, Yeah, while this is all going on. All right, let's let's move on. A lot of people had wondered how much the National Guard would actually, how effective it would be when it came to the U.S.-Mexico border. Well, now we know how many people they've helped to arrest. Yeah, this is not that big a story in terms of numbers. I mean, obviously the optics are much greater. Uh, because they're talking about the U.S. Border Patrol or the National Guard involved in 1,600 apprehensions out of 38,000 per month that have gone yeah. down. They're like, it's not a big deal. And then what what does that mean uh, helping out with bringing them food? Well, that's just it, because they were not supposed to be able right. to help with apprehensions. So I don't know what that means. So oh, even. it could mean intelligence, could observation. Hey, know, here's some people they, over there you might t- want to look at. But they're not telling us what it is. Right. There's also just plain support. We're having nothing to do 
uh, with the actual apprehension. Uh, you could you could spin this, and it's all speculation, that just by them being there and taking away some of the more um, uh, mundane tasks from the Border Patrol, it freed up right. more Border Patrol resources. Changing tires on a Border Patrol Jeep. Sure. I'd- well, I think their presence, too, probably helped with some of the turnbacks, the people who go to cross it, and then all of a yeah, sudden they see them, and then they go back. That's a few hundred. Right. So we're not talking a whole lot. Not a lot, but... It's going to be, as I said, it's going to be more optics than anything else. Uh, Hey, the president signed an executive order to try to make it easier for military spouses to get jobs. It's going to be very challenging, especially if the enlisted person keeps getting moved around. Yeah. You know, how do you go get a job when you're not there very well? Well, when the enlisted person, usually wives don't follow their husbands, certainly not when they're deployed overseas, Iraq, Afghanistan... But this is the president, and good for him. Uh, again, uh, I promise, uh, and I do what I say, and I say what I do. Is that the right phrase? I have no idea. In any case, promises made, promises kept. And he's obviously been a huge advocate of the military, and here he is saying the military is not just our armed forces, and not just the men and women in uniform, it's the spouses. And, we, and we're going to give them a heads up. Uh, because you're in the military. Uh, didn't uh, Scott... Uh, when he first applied to FEMA, didn't he get credit for being in the military? Yeah, I think that's what helped him get in yeah. at FEMA. All things, all things being equal, uh, the military, the ex-military person gets a benefit. And what Trump is saying, the same thing is going to happen with a spouse. You know what? Makes sense to me. I think it's a great move. I really do. All right. Uh, coming up, we'll finish up Handle on the News, late edition. But first. We are not Handle the morning crew. Let's continue on with Handle on the News, late edition on this Thursday, May 10th. Jennifer Jones-Lee, Wayne Resnick, and me. And an Army soldier who lost an ear in a car crash has gotten a new one that was grown in her arm. Do your ears hang low? Do they wobble to and fro? Can you toss them over That's your very good. Excellent. Her name is Shamika Barrage, and it was in 2016 that she was driving back to Fort Bliss after she'd gone to visit her family in Mississippi, and a tire blew out. In the accident, she lost her left ear. Yeah, and you can see, it's wild how they're growing an ear. They took some cartilage, I think, yeah. out of her body and then shaped it into the uh, shape of a year, an ear and then put it in her arm as it grows, and then they'll transplant it. Of course, there's no issue of rejection because it's her tissue. I can just imagine, uh, you know, someone says something and she says, huh? And then holds her elbow out. Yeah. <laughs> horrible. But this is incredible. It's got to have, it has fresh arteries, fresh veins, fresh nerves. So she'll be able to feel it. Wow. I mean, it's just crazy. Yeah. Oh, good. She'll know when it's burning when everybody's talking about how That's cool true. this is. Oh, man. Well, Australia's oldest scientist has taken his own life. But he wasn't depressed. He uh, took a one-way ticket from Perth, Australia, to Switzerland, where he went to one of those voluntary euthanasia clinics. Yeah, right. and he had to go to Switzerland to do it. Yeah, he's very mad that Australia yeah. does not allow 104 this. years old, owed to joy is what he had playing as he uh, committed suicide or assisted uh, uh, assisted death, if you will. And uh, it's um, he spent his final day exploring the Botanic Gardens with three of his grandkids. And uh, it was just, uh, it's a nice way to die. It he is. also I mean, was was wearing a jumper with a the words, uh, 
This says a jumper, but yeah, he was wearing a thing that's with what the they words. Call, that's what they call them. They call sweaters jumpers? Yeah. That's exactly what What's they call wrong them. with them over there? <laughs> that's another topic. And it had the words aging disgracefully right. on it. And by the way, do you know what mm. uh, John Thomas is? Uh, exactly. What in Britain, what uh, in the UK, the... The, look it up. Look it up. What is a John Thomas? Oh. 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 Don't look it up. If you're guessing what you think he's meant, yes, that's it. That's what that, it is. So there you are. There you are. A woman who oh! says. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I looked it up. <laughs> Let's move on. All right, this is awkward. A woman who says she was raped during a party at singer Chris Brown's house in the Valley is now suing Chris Brown. Wasn't me. Yeah, it's a, hor- a horrible rape allegation, uh, Chris Brown. Glory Allred is representing her. And uh, the police are called. They show up. Uh, not allowed in the house. They don't even go in. And it's uh, it's kind of bizarre. But- and this woman is accusing uh, Chris Brown and a few other people in the party of horrible rape. Yeah, well, this, this backstory, though, is weird because she claims that Brown ordered somebody to take her phone away last year, which then was the pretext for her going back yeah, to Brown's I, house. It is a weird story. Also, uh, and the story doesn't say, this is from the LA Times, she obviously left the house at some point, right? Did she go to the police? I don't know if right she after that, right after that and then ask the... for a rape kit to be used? I'm not sure. She and just... I don't either. I mean, that's not to say she should have had the wherewithal because I don't know. We weren't there. She could have been so screwed up psychologically, it was so devastating to her, maybe she didn't have the wherewithal to do it. But you're right. There are some parts of this story that are not right down the line. It's just bizarre. They, she claims that she was forced to perform sexual acts on males and females in this bedroom and that it was a drug and booze-filled sex yeah. party of Big some sort. I mean, just random. Harvey Weinstein's estranged wife speaks. I may say it's your Georgina Chapman, designer with uh, Marquesa. She said that after all those allegations came out about uh, her then-husband, she didn't go out in public for five months. Yeah, pretty devastating. Can you imagine being married to Harvey Weinstein and either having no knowledge of what's going on? And I'll bet you she had some. I mean, it's impossible to not know something is up. And then doing the best job of self-denial you could possibly do uh, because to accept... Uh, that kind of activity from a husband is it, 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 the act. What he did was so outrageous, so outrageous, even to the point where at speeches, I think it was an Academy Award, where uh, was it uh, Seth McFarland joked about the number of women and people going to uh, Harvey Weinstein's uh, office and what a womanizer he was. I mean, and and the fact that she she. Pro- she knew what she was living with, probably. I don't know if she knew to the extent of what she was living with. But at the same time, she now lives with the fact that her kids are going to have to deal with this. And that in some way, I bet, she feels responsible in in, in some way. There's got to be some sort of guilt there. Yeah, there always is. It's, uh, it's, almost, it's, it's almost survivor's guilt because she wasn't a victim of any of this. He didn't do this to his own wife. Well, we don't. What if he did? Well, she what said if, no. She said he didn't, okay. or she said he did not do it. So, but there we go back to survivor's guilt. How come sixty women, a hundred women were, and I'm right there, and, and he I didn't never. Do it to me. I mean, it's oh yeah, it's just crazy stuff. All right, you know what? Well, let's take let's take a break. Okay. Uh, because I've got uh, so much to cover after the break. 
Uh, we're talking about what's happening uh, today in Syria with the Israeli uh, fighter jets bombing Iranian military targets in Syria and why all of that happened. And it's Mike Pompeo and the Iran nuclear deal. There's a lot to put together, and I'll do that right after uh, we uh, take a break. KFI AM 640. All right. This is uh, KFI Handle here on a momentous Thursday. Oh, my goodness, the kind of news. What a week it's been. Right, we have uh, the uh, president welcoming uh, three of the American prisoners from North Korea. The announcement this morning that the meeting is going to play, uh, the meeting between Kim Jong Un and the president is going to play take place what June twelfth, June twelfth in Singapore. In Singapore, uh, Gina Haspel yesterday uh, in front of the uh, Senate and her nomination to be CIA directors, uh, the director, and uh, news that uh, broke this morning. And that is Israel, or yesterday, I think, it was Israel launching a massive military strike against Iranian targets in Syria. Now, uh, yesterday, or the day before, we ta- actually it was the day before, we talked about the president, the aftermath of the president pulling out of the Iran nuclear deal. And, of course, everybody was anticipating, we've gone through the politics of that, uh, the our allies in Europe uh, said, please don't, please don't. You had uh, Angela Merkel come to the United States. You had Macron, who actually was the poster boy of the European Union, begging Donald Trump not to get out of the deal. Donald Trump, of course, from the day he started campaigning, talked about how the Iran nuclear deal was just a piece of crap and it's one of the worst deals ever. Couldn't agree more. He's right about that. But the Europeans, and at that time, President Obama said, hey, this is the best we can do. And... So what Iran has done is, from the most is most part, is adhere to the treaty or adhere to the, the agreement. Okay. And the president says, we don't care. It's such a bad deal. We're out. And then there's a lot of politics. Abrogating agreements, uh, trust. Is Kim Jong-un going to trust the president because he's willing to undo any kind of a deal? So anyways, there is uh, all of that. We've gone through it, and we probably will again as the story pans out. However, two countries backed President Trump. And I mean really back President Trump. Certainly uh, certainly Israel and uh, Saudi Arabia did too. It's uh, because Saudi Arabia is genuinely frightened of what Iran wants to do. And should be. Because Iran certainly wants a theocracy over that entire Middle East where it's going to implant uh, its own brand of Islam. Not interested in anybody else's. I mean, that's what happens uh, in that part of the world. They're kind of nuts when it comes to religion. Really handle? Yeah, really. And so Israel comes out and backs the president after Netanyahu, the prime minister, has been begging the United States to get out of that deal. As a matter of fact, that's one of the reasons Netanyahu hated Barack Obama was because, number one, he cut the deal in the first place. And number two, Barack Obama wanted to be uh, more neutral. The United States considers itself as a neutral party, as a peace broker, in Israel, uh, between the Palestinians and Israelis. Let me tell you what a neutral power is in that part of the world when it comes to the Palestinians the United States. We back up Israel. We give them arms. We loan them money. We share all the intelligence in the world. We're best friends. We're family members, but we're neutral. And the Palestinians are going, what are you, what are you talking about? You're going to broker a, a peace? Are you crazy? So Netanyahu... Uh, 
because Barack Obama wouldn't go in that direction, Netanyahu hates Barack Obama. I mean, that was probably the worst relations between a president and, and, and a prime minister of Israel in years. Okay, this is all as a setup to what's going on. I just want to give you a lot of backstory. So the president bails out of the Iran nuclear, nuclear deal as against the wishes of everybody else involved. And we're talking uh, all of the European Union, China, uh, and, it's, uh, and the United States is part of it. Russia is part of it. And it uh, turns out that Israel says, good, good, good. It's something we've been pushing for. Now, Iran, of course, goes berserk. Although, I have to tell you, at this point, uh, Rouhani, the president, didn't even say, that's it. We're going balls to the wall. The deal is off. We are now moving forward full blast with our military, with our nuclear military program. He didn't do that. He says, we're still going to keep the deal open because we have to figure out what the rest of the world, rest of Europe is going to do, whether they're signatories. So, what did I say a couple, three days ago? That even though the Iranians are pissed off at the United States, of course, because it's the United States that abrogated, and what Israel did is, thank goodness you abrogated, who was going to get hit by Iran? It's going to be Israel. Israel is going to get hit. Like I talked about the first Gulf War, Israel had nothing to do with that war, stayed out of it, and at the same time, Israel got hit first thing. The first missiles went into Israel. Now, that's exactly what happened. Is Israel, uh, other than pushing the president, and by the way, uh, how much influence do you think Israel has on a Donald Trump? How much influence do you think anybody has on a Donald Trump? Now, there are plenty of very powerful Jewish interests in the United States. When people say, oh, the Jewish lobby is uh, the most powerful lobby in the country, you know, all the uh, people that are anti-Israel and, and I'll even say the anti-Semites go beyond uh, that, although, you know, anti-Israel doesn't necessarily mean anti-Semitic, who have always said one of the most powerful lobbies in the United States is the Jewish lobby. They're right. They're absolutely right. It's a powerful, powerful lobby. And they are so you would think they have a lot of influence, and they do, on administrations other than Donald Trump's. No one influences Donald Trump. So what do the Iranians do? Well, Iran has, uh, in Syria, it's basically preempted Syria. Iran has come in. It's a proxy war. And if you look at the military installations, especially in the northern part of Syria, they're all Iranian. They're run by Iranians. The military, uh, the installations were uh, given to Syria or the place there by the Iranians. Effectively, it's the Iranian army that's there without it being the country of Iran, and that's in quotes. And so they unload the missiles. They start from the Golan Heights, which was taken by Israel in 1967, because during the uh, Israeli war, the War of Independence, Syria had the Golan Heights right up until 1967. And what they and that overlooks uh, Israel. And you go to there and you see, boy, that's a great place to be if you're fighting because you can just unload missiles into the valley. And Israel took it in 1967 and said, we're not giving that up because we're too vulnerable. So what happened is you now have the Iranians unloading missiles into the Golan Heights. And... What are they thinking? What the hell is Iran thinking? Because one of the things about Israel 
is this is they're more Trump than Trump. When you talk about fighting back, you attack us, we attack you tenfold. You unload missiles on our country, we're going to unload a lot more on yours. Why would they do that? I'm going to give you an example when we come back because history tells us over and over again, you don't do that. Because politically it makes no sense, militarily it makes no sense, and I'm going to give you a couple of examples of what happened when we come back. And this is all, uh, th- and this is playing out now. It's real time. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back, and uh, your chance to win a thousand. KFI handle here on a uh, Thursday. Here is your chance to win some cash. Your shot at one thousand dollars now. Text the keyword money to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's money to 200-200. Winners notified with a phone call. You've got to answer it. Leif in Moreno Valley did, and he won $1,000. There's a chance to win Monday through Friday, 5 a.m. to 7 p.m. All right. Uh, yesterday, uh, amongst all the other big news, the return of the Korean prisoners, uh, the Gina, Gina Haspel, uh, the, uh, her hearings as uh, the nominee for running the CIA to become CIA director. Uh, there was an attack made against Israel from Iran, uh, from the Golan Heights, which is Syria. But these were Iranian military installations. And uh, as I said just uh, in the last segment, uh, and I had said this earlier, as soon as the deal was abrogated, as soon as President, Bush, uh, President Trump said, we're cutting, we're uh, uh, killing that deal, Israel was going to be attacked. Even though Israel, even though it pushed and pushed and pushed for the United States to bail out, this was Trump's decision. And so they can't attack us. God forbid Iran launching an attack from us. Where are they going to do it? From Toronto? Where are they going to do it? From Baja? So, of course, the default is Israel. And I got to tell you, I don't know why the hell they do that. What do they get to have to gain on this one? Uh, and I know that there are some deep-seated issues, but just on a practical level, what do they have to gain? So you've got uh, missile sites in Syria that are controlled by the Iranians, even manned by Iranians. And they start unloading missiles into the Golan Heights. And incidentally, I think, uh, what was there, was 20 launched 20 missiles, and according to Israel, uh, I think four uh, actually were on target. The rest just fell, did, did no damage. Uh, they, they can figure out, technology can figure out where missiles are going. And those four were taken down by uh, Israel interceptors. Uh, I think it's anti-missile missiles, or uh, they were done by the fighter jets. And uh, so there's the attack. No one, no one killed. And Israel says, and it always does, we're going to go back. We retaliate. Here's the philosophy. You don't screw with us. You hit us, and we're going to hit you right back. So Israel goes ahead and retaliates. And it takes out virtually every single Iranian military installation in Syria. Just takes it out. So now, what do you have? You have Israel uh, that is has... I guess reduce the threat from missile sites. And uh, what does Syria do? What does Assad do? Because he had the Iranians protecting his regime with these installations. So 
at this point, does Iran decide to attack Israel using uh, Syrian forces? I mean, what, what good is it going to be, especially when Israel, in this case, didn't have much to do with this other than pushing, pushing, pushing the administration to kill the deal? And I am now, and incidentally, uh, the attack from Israel onto Syria obviously is far, far more effective than the Iranian uh, military, the, the Iranian missiles onto the Golan Heights, onto Israel. Just doesn't work that way. Let's go back to 2014 when Gaza, Hamas, was stupid enough to kidnap three Israeli teenagers and murder them, and their bodies were found uh, tortured. And so Israel comes back and arrests, I think, 300, 600 Palestinians, 300 Palestinians, throws them in jail. And then Hamas starts unloading missiles into Israel from Gaza. What were they thinking? You're going to really, from Gaza, launch missiles into Israel? So there was the 50-day war. Thousands of uh, citizens of Gaza were killed. Thousands of Palestinians. Half a million people were displaced. 100,000 homes were wiped out. Power structure gone. They're still dealing with it, incidentally. This is four years later. They haven't even come close to rebuilding those properties. You don't do this. Unless you're prepared to go all-out war. And when you go all out war with the Israelis, let me tell you, it's a big, big deal. They did it in 1948. Well, uh, that was when Israel declared uh, its independence. It was a miracle that Israel even survived. Uh, 1967, when Nasser decided, or 56, when Nasser decided to close the Suez Canal. And uh, Israel and the French were just kicking the crap out of, uh, out of uh, Egypt. And it took President Eisenhower to, to basically tell Israel, you stop it, and you stop it right now. 1967, of course, you know about the Six-Day War. 1973, 1973 was the closest of Israel really, really getting nailed. But the cost of attacking Israel is astronomical. But you know what helps the, uh, the, helps the Arab countries when they attack Israel? The world turns to Israel and says disproportionate, disproportionate uh, violence. You can't do that. If three Israelis are killed by a missile attack, all you can do is kill three Palestinians. If they launch four missiles, all you can do is launch four missiles back. Ah, no. It doesn't work that way. You launch three, we launch 300. You damage one of our military installations, we wipe out yours. Which is exactly what happened. So now... We're looking at the politics of this. I'm not hearing a lot from Europe uh, this time around about the disproportionate force that was used. Maybe because it's all military. I mean, there were some civilians killed. And, of course, uh, what you get from uh, the, uh, the Arab countries is we've wiped out Israel. We've taken them out. We killed uh, Tel Aviv is no longer around. I mean, that's just the way they roll. Okay. Uh, coming up. The Gitmo art controversy. There's some very serious good art coming out of Gitmo. Did you know that? Oh, yeah. In the United States, uh, the Pentagon is not pleased with this at all. 
and I'll return with that. Oh, yeah. Here we go. Handle. Big day. Oh, to say the least. And the morning crew. Uh, uh, in the news, top trending and insanely important is uh, President yesterday welcoming home uh, three American prisoners from uh, North Korea. Uh, Gina Haspel, it looks like she's going to be confirmed uh, after the hearing yesterday in front of the Senate, which was so contentious. Uh, Israel striking uh, Syria, the Iranian uh, missile installations in Syria, after uh, those were uh, the missiles went into Israel in the Golan Heights. President just announcing, uh, of course, Israel has a right to defend itself. So uh, the United States naturally being on Israel's side. Also, before we get to Gitmo, uh, I'm asking you to please donate to help the American Red Cross Initiative to get prepared California. For a $400 donation, you and a guest can enjoy cocktails and appetizers with all the KFI hosts and crew, plus unlimited sky slide rides during an exclusive e- evening at the beautiful OUE Skyscape, uh, Sky Space in downtown LA. You have to be 21 or older. 100% of the pro- proceeds will benefit the American Red Cross. Get prepared, California. Limited tickets for details. Log on to KFIAM640.com and search the word mixer. All right. Uh, Gitmo. I, I've always loved Gitmo. Uh, the entire uh, concept of uh, of Gitmo. Uh, as you know, it's an American military base in Cuba that was established after the Spanish-American War. I mean, we're going back to 1898. And it still belongs to Cuba. I mean, this is Cuban land. Did you know that? And what the United States does is lease the land from Cuba in perpetuity. And do you have any idea how much it costs per year to lease Gitmo? Here's a little obscure fact. $4,000 a year. Remember, this was cut in, uh, this was cut 120 years ago. $4,000 a year in gold. Well, today you can replace gold with uh, real money or actually hard currency, uh, which Cuba is part of this international agreement that everybody does. And every year, $4,000 handed to Cuba. Every year, they refuse to accept the money. Because obviously Cuba is wants to abrogate that treaty, but what is Cuba going to do? Attack Gitmo? Okay, so uh, just a couple of facts uh, about Gitmo, which is uh, so much fun. And that is the fact that uh, it costs about uh, $455 million a year to keep uh, the prison open for 41 people. And if you remember, uh, the first thing President Obama did, he was going to sign, the first order he was going to sign was closing down Gitmo. It's still open. And the president just signed another order. It just keeps on going and going. Oh, actually, the U.S. leased the Cuban, uh, the uh, the Gitmo uh, Treaty in 1903. I was off by four years on that. It officially opened in 2002. We're talking about the prison for the terrorists. And ever since then, uh, it has been where we house uh, the terrorists that we don't try here or not returned. It's sort of no place to go if we've captured them or people send them to us. And at its height, it housed 780 prisoners. By the way, the most famous one, remember Khalid Sheikh Mohammed, the 9-11 mastermind? Uh, he was held for years, never charged, uh, being cleared and released. Okay, so 
why am I bringing up Gitmo? Well, art. Because one of the things that happens uh, that the prisoners are allowed to you to do is create art. Now, are they giving artists supplies? Not really. They make them out of cardboard and T-shirts and prayer caps, uh, plastic housing that contains razors, glue. They use mops. Those These prisoners create this art. And I have to tell you, some of it is gorgeous. I mean, this is very, very talented stuff. And we have about a dozen examples on the website, and you'll see what I'm talking about. Everything from models to paintings. Uh, go to KFIAM640.com, and the keyword is handle. We have them on our page. So they're allowed to make their art. Now, it gets uh, a little crazy because uh, lawyers uh, can take these art, the attorneys for the prisoners can take the art out if they are gifts to their families or the lawyers themselves. But it's not easy to do because it has to be approved by the military that's running Gitmo And it is a long process. Each piece has to be searched, scanned, x-rayed, analyzed for any hidden message. And if you're building a nice model, uh, there are a lot of nooks and crannies. You can put little tiny things. If you're making a painting, if you're doing a painting, uh, there's a, maybe there's a little squiggle in the right-hand corner that makes no sense. It goes, that is that code? So they start questioning and once uh, the it's been determined there are no hidden messages, it's stamped with approved by U.S. forces. Then the attorneys for the prisoners can take them out. Last year, the lawyers for eight detainees took out art. Four have since been cleared, released from Gitmo. Four still there. And about 30 pieces of art were taken to New York to uh, for an ex- exhibition called Ode to the Sea Beyond the Walls of Guantanamo Bay. Ode to the Sea. So Gitmo overlooks the ocean, and of course uh, the prisoners get to view this and become part of art. No, the tarps block their view. They can't see the ocean at all. They actually are blocked by tarps. So they sort of pretend it's out there. So this exhibit ran for three months, and it really pissed off the U.S. government. So what does the government do? Now there's a legal case going on. And what is it? Who owns the art? Because of this exhibit, which of course backs up uh, the philosophy. If you look at this exhibit, it can be interpreted that you have prisoners that are suffering. And uh, not specifically as to Gitmo, but just the suffering of people in general. And it's, it's very moving art. And the government does not want that. So uh, all art is uh, now done, all transfers of art out of Gitmo, finished, and uh, it is now the sole property of the U.S. government. And once those are approved for release, then the art is destroyed. Yep, there's a law case going on. God, I love this, don't you? But you really have to see the art. That's what this is about. So go to KFIAM640.com and you'll see what prisoners without supplies can do. Pretty impressive stuff. All right, coming up, uh, the mental health at Cal State Universities, uh, the campuses, and that's a big deal. KFI AM. KFI Handle here. On a uh, Thursday, May 10th, 
And as we finish the show, some of the top stories that we are covering, and they're trending like crazy, and of course, they're, it's huge. Uh, the president welcomed home three American prisoners from North Korea. Uh, Mike Pompeo is now dealing with our allies in Europe regarding the Israeli war pain, uh, planes yesterday bombing the hell out of Iran-linked military facilities in Syria after Israeli positions were attacked. Uh, Gina Haspel, probably going to be confirmed, virtually, yes, uh, as uh, the CIA director. It's just, oh, so much going on. All right, so I want to switch gears a little bit and not talk about the huge news, although this is huge if you happen to have all kinds of mental problems or you have a kid that's going to school. Uh, the average time to see a counselor at Cal State Long Beach is three weeks. So let's say you have some big mental problems going on. I'm about to sneeze. Yes, success. Now, when you need someone very quickly, uh, you want to see a counselor right now. Three weeks, you have to wait, which can be a long time. Long Beach, by the way, uh, Cal State uh, Long Beach, uh, it's more than double that. So now you're talking six weeks. Why is that? Well, because students have a lot of more mental health problems. And why is that? Well, a couple of reasons, I think. Uh, First of all, uh, the stigma of mental illness or emotional problems has, for the most part, gone away. I mean, you know, we all admit that we're all crazy and it's fine. Also, it's being it's much, much more difficult to be a student now than it was when I was in school. Uh, The costs weren't astronomical. You didn't go into debt. It would take you half a lifetime to pay it off. Uh, It wasn't as competitive. I mean, today it's crazy competitive. It's uh, people start with their kids in kindergarten. Literally, when my kids were in kindergarten and we were looking, we we, with a bunch of other parents were looking for school. One of the factors the parents were considering was how academic is kindergarten or preschool in terms of preparing kids for college? But five-year-olds? Yes. They're that crazy. So when you look at all of this, uh, universities across the country have, uh, of course, had an increase in the, uh, the need for mental health facilities. And while they're increasing, ain't keeping up. It really doesn't keep up. So how do you fix that? Well, back we go to uh, we've got to spend some more money. Got to figure out how to pay for it because that's always the magic. And this is California, where uh, you have the legislature. And when any of them die, any of these Democrats die, the tombstone is going to read, I've never met a tax program I didn't like. So what do they want to do? They want to add more counselors. There's a bill in the works, by the way, uh, SB 968, winding its way through the state Senate, and then it goes over to the assembly. And would require all California state university and community colleges the campus is to have a ratio of one mental health professional for every 1,500 students. Long Beach is double that. Other campuses are more than that. So, I mean, everybody's thrilled. No question about it. It went through uh, the committee uh, unanimously, uh, but that's the mental health committee. See, now it goes to the Ways and Means Committee. And then Ways and Means Committee, they're the ones that figure out how to pay for all this. Which is, incidentally, if you're chair of the Ways and Means Committee, that's probably, other than speaker, is probably, or President Pro Tem of the Senate, we're talking California now, is probably the second most powerful position of any legislature in the state. Because that committee controls the money. 
and the committee chair controls the committee. So getting through ways and means is not going to be easy. But is it going to happen? Of course it's going to happen. Why is this? Because this is California. That's why. And the programs, you know, I don't even know if those stats, Alex, we should look that up. Does California have more entitlement programs, government-funded mental health programs, food programs, subsidy programs, education programs, in which money, art programs, in which money is being given, parks programs, uh, enhanced art programs, I'm willing to guess that it's more than any other state. And that's no surprise. So here's another one. And incidentally, tell me this is not needed. You know, we don't need housing for the homeless. We don't need homeless programs. We don't need this. In the end, there's two things that control here. Number one, the fact that infrastructure, for example, that's simply misspending money over the decades and decades because it's not the legislator's money. It's our money. So what the hell do they care? You know, if you were in charge of your neighbor's money, is it the same as yours? Of course not, especially when there's no fallout if you screw it up. So uh, the fact is that there's never enough money with new programs that have to be paid for and with the fact that existing programs that should have been paid for, there's no money to do it. So is this going to go? Of course it's going to go. Of course, there'll be some tax. You know, they'll figure something out. They'll move money around. And if not, if they don't have the money, it's like our 12 cents uh, a gallon tax. If you, don't run, if you run out of money and you need uh, the infrastructure, you just throw up some kind of a tax. All right, Gary, what's go- tell- I don't have to ask what's going on. Just tell me what's going on. That's an ask. Uh, Same thing. Okay. <laughs> well done. Did yes. someone write that out for you? Yes, I did. I'm, I have it written uh, right here. Do you remember Officer Keith Boyer when he was killed by this admitted of gang course. member? The yeah. county came Mejia. up with a, a plan. Mejia. Uh, That's the, it. Mejia. The county came up with a plan to try to figure out, did all of our uh, prison cr- overcrowding reduction problems, uh, the bills that were passed, the new policies that were in place, did all of those add up to... This guy being out and being able to kill Officer Keith Boyer. So what you're saying, it, it may not be SB 109. AB 109. It's That's not, what I meant. It's not as simple as that, but yep. there's a whole series of things that went wrong, uh, and all of them are potentially changeable. Uh, Justin Warsham is going to join us in the 11 o'clock hour. We're going to be talking about why and how summer camps are good for your kids. You went to summer camp a lot, didn't you? And my kids went to summer camp. Yeah, it wasn't good for them. Uh, and then they came gra- back. They came back a mess. This new trend of Grammy and Pop Pop taking over their kids, uh, their grandkids, having to basically adopt them or foster them because of the huge opioid epidemic that's uh, got us in its grip. All right, a lot going on with Gary and Shannon. Also, it is uh, a handle on the law day, and I'm taking legal questions off the air for future broadcast starting in just a moment. I'll do it for an hour. You can call me at 877-520-1150, 877-520-1150, marginal legal advice, starting in just a moment. Oh, good good sneeze. Good cough. Thank you. Sneeze, cough, whatever. Maeha, not Mejia, right? Mejia. Yeah, him too. All three of them. You've lived in Southern California. I know, you I just can't speak pronounce... Portuguese. Uh, that's not Spanish. Because, in, but you know, you... wait, wait a second. In Portuguese, you know what that would, how that would be pronounced? Mejia. Mejia. Maisha. Uh, if you ask J- him in Portuguese, I'm just telling. No, no, no. The J's are pronounced J's. It's a soft J. I'll give you Portuguese lessons later on. Thank God. All right. Well, uh, bom dia, Gary and Shannon. Coming up, have a bueno show. Thank you, sir. KFI AM six forty.